You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. hear a lot about cancel culture these days. There are definitely times when people or systems need to be called out and held accountable. But we can all be a little too quick to be cruel to each other, online and offline. This problem isn't new though. Humans have always struggled to choose love instead of hate. As followers of Jesus, God is challenging us to love people who aren't like us. Love people who are in need, Love the people we envy, and love the people we want to hate. It's time the church learned to love the way God loves. Happy Valentine's Day. I know some of you love this day. Some of you may get some chocolates or some other present. Others of you, this is a pretty depressing day. Uh, You don't like this day whatsoever. Uh, Others of you, it's just another day. I know many years ago, uh, Julie and I went out, I think it was on a Friday night, our kids were young, and I thought, hey, we'll go to uh, the Cheesecake Factory. And we get there, and it was like a two-hour wait, and we're like, yeah, we're not waiting. Uh, And so we go to another restaurant, it was like an hour wait. It wasn't something that we normally did, especially on Valentine's Day, and so we ended up at uh, Soup... Uh, super salad and and there's nothing like saying hey babe I love you Uh, let's eat some soup and salad and uh, you can tell I'm just a real romantic guy right Uh, but we ended up making the best of it and just had a great uh, time of catching up on life and and we realized it wasn't about the place but it was just about uh, loving each other Uh, today we are going to talk about love Uh, we're going to talk about loving people in need. And if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew is the first uh, New Testament book. It's one of the Gospels. And so if you uh, turn to Matthew chapter uh, 25, uh, we're going to see that in Jesus's parables, and especially here in Matthew chapter 25, uh, just because that you say that you're a Christian doesn't really mean that you're a Christian. Uh, you, you'll see this teaching in several places in the Bible. Uh, in Matthew 25, verses 1 to 13, with the, where he talks about the maidens, uh, they consider themselves friends of the bridegroom. Uh, all of the servants uh, with the parable of the talents consider themselves employee of the master or employees of the master. Uh, when we get to the last parable in Matthew chapter 25 with the sheep and the goats, all seem to recognize the lordship of Christ. J.D. Career pointed out that the judgment uh, displayed in all three of these parables does not separate Christians uh, from from the rest of the world. It separates uh, genuine Christians from imposters. If that doesn't make your antenna go up, I'm not sure what will. And Jesus ends the parable of the maidens by saying this in verse 11. Later, when the other five uh, bridemaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open up the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. 
He ends the parable of the talents this way in 26a, he says, But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. Skip uh, to verse 30 and it says, And uh, and now throw this useless servant uh, into the outer darkness uh, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then toward the end, uh, he's speaking to the goats with the parable of the uh, sheep and the goats. Verse 41, then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the, de- prepared for the devil and his demons. And when I read through a passage like this, it's pretty eye-opening. It's uncomfortable. We're, we're talking about heaven and hell, hell and, and here's what's interesting to me. The only difference between the sheep and the goats is what they do and didn't do. Uh, verse 34, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Sheep love people. They help people. They're generous people. They help people inside the flock, inside the church, and outside of the flock. Goats, on the other hand, they're not as loving. I recently read this paraphrase from Kyle Adaman about what Jesus might say to people today regarding their status as a sheep or goat. It read like this, I was hungry, but instead of giving me something to eat, you continue to stuff yourself with unhealthy foods. I was thirsty, but rather than providing me with something to drink, you sipped on your expensive lattes and drank bottled water. I was a stranger, but instead of inviting me in, you wanted to have me deported. I needed clothes, but rather than clothing me, you bought yourself more outfits and then wondered how you would fit them into your already overflowing closets. I was sick, but you didn't do anything to help me. You were too busy blaming me for my illness because of poor decisions I made in the past. I was in prison. But instead of coming to visit me, you smugly said I was getting what I deserved. We started a series last week called Cancelled. And we talked about living in a culture that cancels people out when you don't agree with them. We tend to shame people. We tend to ignore people. We don't want to have anything to do with people that we don't agree with. And many of you, maybe last week, you said, well, I I don't do that. But then you read a passage like this and you think, well, maybe I do cancel people out. Maybe I do ignore people that that are in need. Maybe I'm not as loving as what I need to be. Maybe I am guilty of, of canceling people out. Let me be very clear when we read a passage like this that... And that sometimes we have questions, and, and I want to make it very clear that we're not saved by works. But when we have a relationship with Jesus, we're compelled to do good works. We're compelled to be loving. One of my professors, Mark Moore, once said, Good deeds don't save us, but they demonstrate what we're committed uh, to. James 2, verse 17 puts it this way, So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it's dead and useless. 
Now, someone may argue some people have faith and others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show your faith if you don't have good deeds? I'll show you my faith by my good deeds. Our good deeds, our love, show our faith in Jesus Christ. If we're Christians, we want to make an impact on the world. We, we have to stop canceling out people. We have to start loving them. And so my challenge to you today is to be a hope giver, not a hope stealer. Let's pour into people. Let's love people. Let's not ignore people. Let's see people and love them. So you might be thinking, well, does that mean that I have to help every person that's begging at the corner? And my answer to that is yes and no. If the Holy Spirit compels you to help them, then help them. Give them some money. Give them some food. Give them a gift card. Whatever God puts on your heart, help them. Sometimes he may say, go park the car and go hear their story, learn their name, and maybe there's some other way that you can help them. Other times the Holy Spirit may say, no, you don't need to do this at this point in time. There's lots of people to help and he's not putting it on your heart. But the key thing is listening to God's guidance, the Holy Spirit's nudging. I will tell you this, we want, as Christians, we want to reflect a loving nature. We want to reflect Christ. So how do I become a hope giver? And how do I help love people? I want to give you five really quick tips. I'm going to hit these pretty quickly, so, so hold on. First of all, be approachable. When someone is hurting, do they feel like they can approach you? Do they feel like they can tell you their problems? Do they feel like they can cry on your shoulders? So are you approachable? Be approachable. If we want to be loving people, we need to be approachable. Secondly, be available. Do you avoid hurting people? Do you turn the other way? Are you too busy? Are you willing to make time for people? Are you willing to jump into their mess because people are messy? Thirdly, be present. Be present. One of the most powerful things that you can do is to be present in people's lives. You don't have to know all the answers, but just being there for people is one of the most loving things that you can do. Fourthly, be responsive. Now you've listened, you've been, been there, you've been present, but listen to the needs and, and help take care of some of those needs. Take, take care of some of those basic needs. Maybe you find some people that can help uh, reach some of their needs. If they need counseling, help find a counselor. If they're dealing with addiction, uh, find uh, help for them with their addiction. Uh, if they need help with rent, then search through and try to help them uh, find some places that can help them with their rent. If they need food, be a connector. Help them find resources. And then lastly, be watchful. Look for hurting people. Look for people in need. Listen to people. And... and so often we're so focused on ourselves that we ignore people and we forget. So let me hit these five really quickly again. Be approachable, be available, be present, be responsive, and be watchful. This month, we're trying to practice the presence of God. Last month, we were talking about fasting, but this month we want to practice the presence of God. And last week, I challenged you to look for God in the mundane things that you do, like washing the dishes or, or raking the leaves or washing clothes. And I encourage you to look for God in those, uh, in those tasks. And today, I'm going to challenge you to do something that may seem a little odd to you. I want to encourage you to look at people uh, in the eye. Look at people in the eye. I'm not, I'm not saying stare at them. Don't be weird about it. But I want you to 
to, to look at people in the eye, especially those people that you tend to ignore. There's something powerful about looking at someone, uh, someone in the eye. You began to realize that they're made in the image of God, that they're an image bearer of God. So that person that maybe uh, that's, in, uh, that's checking you out at the grocery store, look at them in the eye. That person that we tend to look away at the street corner, look at them in the eye. That employee, that, uh, that person that maybe you're doing work with, look them in the eye. Again, don't stare, don't be weird about it. But I want you to take this time and, and, and look at them in the eye and hopefully this is what it will do. Hopefully that it will remind you to see people like God sees them. And in the end, you may see Jesus in a whole new light. You may see, you may have a, a time that you realize that God's teaching you something powerful by seeing people how God sees people.